Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks so much to our fan members. If you're not a part of the Founders Alliance membership, you can be by checking it out at founders.org. Our Founders Alliance membership is a way for people to partner with us on a monthly basis. We have a sword level, we have a shield level, we have a trowel level, and at each one of those levels, you get various resources from Founders Ministries. Uh, we have the Armory, where we have a lot of content there. We have uh, full interviews from By What Standard that we continue, continually upload. So thanks again to those uh, who are supporting us. We wanted to get right into the issue with the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then the riots that have come in the wake of that. There's this turmoil all across America. Uh, Everyone is talking about this right now, and it's grievous. The situation with George Floyd is absolutely grievous and uh, needs to be dealt with, and there is a distraction from that given uh, what's happened in riots, not only in Minneapolis, but many other cities. I mean, 20-plus, who knows? You probably can't count how many uh, there have been now. Arrests, all sorts of arrests. We're into the thousands of people who have been arrested, people that have been killed. I I heard at one of the um, riots that occurred. So we're looking at this and even watching what a number of our political leaders are doing, uh, what a number of our evangelical leaders are doing. And the other night I was sitting with my wife, Tom, and I just said, um, America needs a dad. That's what I really believe. America needs a dad. We have become untethered uh, from the creator, from the God who is. We've become untethered from his word that he's spoken to us, untethered from the Christ that he has given us. And uh, what we're looking at is the the practical manifestation of um, an ideology that's been around for a long time, that has been seeded among us that's contrary to Christ. So it seems like there's a thousand different directions we could go and try to provide some truth, some help to Christians that are looking at all of this and saying, what in the world am I to think? Yeah, well, to the law and to the prophets, uh, we need to go back to what God has said, because what what's taking place in all of these things, everything from the, uh, the death of George Floyd and how his life was snuffed out of him to the aftermath and what's taking place in the, the riots, the protests that have turned into riots and the way that this is being framed by both civil and religious leaders. At, at the bottom of all of it, I see one thing, and it's lawlessness. Mm. It is a lack of standards, a lack of a right standard that God has given to us. And, and the scripture is spoken. And so, man, we look at what happened to this man in Minneapolis, and it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a travesty to see a man... Uh, subjected to this type of abuse of authority by the police officer. Police officers have authority. That's God-ordained. But this police officer, from every indication, abused his authority, and the consequence was the death of George Floyd. That's lawless. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the way people have responded to it. Well, let's go burn down uh, businesses. Let's go trash uh, uh, cities. Let's burn police cars. Let's uh, drag policemen through the streets. What is that? Well, that's lawlessness. Should there be protests? Should there be speaking out? Yeah. Should there be anger? Yeah, there's appropriate ways Mm -hmm. to do all of that. But the way that it has taken hold in the last week in our nation is lawless. Right. And then I think about how it's being framed, how people are talking about it. And some of our religious leaders and, and uh, many of our civil authorities, they are uh, standing up and, and saying things that are playing well in this lawless age. So those that are given to lawlessness are saying, you know, good, finally, you're saying the right kinds of things. But in reality, God's word, if it's acknowledged at all, is just given kind of a, a passing glance. And what God actually says about right and wrong 
is either assumed or just ignored altogether. So it's lawlessness all the way around. Yeah. Well, to put this in a theological context, we keep there's this problem with authority in America, and and the problem with authority has been around from the very beginning. And understanding the world that God has created and how hierarchy works, and there have been some who, even in the evangelical SBC world, have called for the tearing down of all hierarchy, and that very attempt is what happened with the sexual revolution. Um, it's what ha- it's what's happened through the LGBTQ movement. There's been trying to be a leveling of the patriarchy of authority, but the problem is that never works because then you get anarchy. You get you, you're going to have some kind of authority. We've talked about Orwell before, Animal Farm. You know, um, all of a sudden the pigs take over. Uh, they throw off the the human beings, and all of a sudden the pigs are in the human beings' beds. You know, and they turn into humans at the very end of the of the book. Well, in Genesis, we have this. We have Adam who's created, and he is very clearly has authority uh, over Eve, and he's the one who's in the position of leadership. What happens at the fall? Genesis 3 says, uh, well, now the woman, you're, she says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. But that's because of the fall. There's now a troubled relationship when it comes to that authority. He will now rule harshly over her. She will now, uh, her desire will be for him, meaning she will want to throw off uh, his his leadership. In the civil realm, say the, the, the home there signified. And then you have the civil realm that comes later where we are to submit to our leaders. Everybody's been talking about Romans 13 lately. And uh, what are the, there's a whole world there to know what that text means. But you have, when you have fallen people in leadership, you're going to have these kinds of problems. Uh, and then you have the church realm. And how many times have we heard about this, about abuse in churches, spiritual abuse, these kinds of things. So it's, it's even, even as tragic as the situation is, know that it, it highlights the truthfulness of Scripture. It's telling you about the world we live in. And, and the world God created has this hierarchy. It has, it has an order to it. It has authority to it. But it's a fallen world. It's a Genesis 3 world. And so that authority is being um, abused and there needs to be accountability. There needs to be, um, there needs to be measures that are taken so that we're, we're not just allowed to see abuse of authority run rampant, but the solution is not to give into anarchy, which we're seeing more and more of with all of these riots that are happening. So maybe to get right into the, why don't we deal with the George Floyd situation yeah. first? I have not watched this whole film. I just I don't want to get into it. I have seen some of it. Um, but the, the police in Minneapolis show up for some kind of a forgery. Maybe he's using a, some kind of paper money that was allegedly yeah. um, and, not and real. Reportedly, he was intoxicated when the police found him in his car. So I'm out, I, that's the reports that I've read. And they tried to arrest him. He resisted arrest. And so they used force to put him on the ground. But they had him handcuffed. I mean, I have seen that he, he was immobilized, and the police officer had his knee on his neck. And the man is saying, right. you know, please, I can't, I breathe. can't breathe. And I hear people, people might say, well, look, all, you know, all the people that are arrested say they can't breathe when we're trying to detain him or something like that. Even so, how in the world, yeah. how in the world do you have a man who's handcuffed and you have your knee on his neck for yeah. that amount of time? I mean, when I saw... The video, it, it does not look like he is resisting. And this man has his knee on his neck. People are trying to talk to him. People are trying to get the police officer to get his knee right. off of his neck. Seven and to eight minutes is, is what I read. And, and there were four officers there. So, you know, at the minimum, what we have mm-hmm. is a horrific abuse of legitimate authority. Right. It's legitimate authority 
but this particular police officer and maybe his uh, fellow officers there with him abused that authority. It's right. lawless, yeah. and so it needs to be judged on the basis of what's right and, and wrong. We, we have laws in this nation that govern what happened in that situation. So the man's been arrested. Uh, he's been charged now, I understand. Third-degree murder. Yeah, with murder. There will be a trial, there, and so that, all that needs to happen, and we ought to insist on those things happening. However, in the aftermath of so many people who say that this is uh, wrong and this needs to be protested, it has become an occasion not for justice to be pursued, mm-hmm. but for more lawlessness. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this a lot, and I, it goes right back to where you started when you began talking about authority, and that is this is God's world. God created this world, and he set it up the way that it is to be uh, recognized and the way that we are to try to live well in it. And you can kick against the ways that he set it up. You can kick against his statutes all you want, but you're not going to win. You're not going to live well, and there is a day of judgment coming. And those of us who know this God, who've been reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus Christ, who've had all of our lawlessness atoned for by what Jesus did on the cross— we have an incredible responsibility mm-hmm. to try to think rightly about the world and these outbreaks of evil in the world and to call people to acknowledge their relationship as creatures before their creator and to see themselves in need of his grace because they, like us, are lawbreakers. Right. Yeah, it, it, people aren't, the people that are rioting need to see that they they are falling prey to the same sin and the same problem that the officer is. Absolutely. They both should have been exercising restraint. They both should have understood authority and responsibility. And for the officer, one truth that needs to be highlighted among many is that with with authority comes responsibility. With, with a certain authority comes a higher level of responsibility. And so if you're going to be a police officer, well, praise God yeah. for police officers. You're putting yourself in danger. And when you're rolling up on a situation, we understand that you don't know who has a gun and who doesn't have a gun and, and all of this. But that is the very uh, nature of the job. And so those men are, are, there's no, there's no way you're either going to fear man or you're going to fear God. Those men need to fear God. Those men need to trust Christ. And as you're doing that, you're going to be in a position where you can exercise proper wisdom and proper restraint. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, do we need new measures and new guidelines for police officers? Absolutely. You need to do, you need to follow those guidelines to the T. Absolutely. But Again, the so there's lawlessness as you've mentioned, but our Christian faith, you know, we're not we're not Muslim, and so it's more than just obedience to the law for us. The problem is that you have to have law. Law is going to be essential to this kind of situation, but these men need new hearts, or they'll never be able to meet that standard. Right. They need the Spirit at work in them, or they're never going to be able to exercise that proper restraint and wisdom in those situations. But as a society, we need to make sure that justice is done in this case. And a part of that is looking at what he did and then understanding that he has a higher level of responsibility. So his crime against George Floyd is going to be up. The ante is up because right. he is in that position of authority. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does come back to recognizing that we are in God's world. We are creatures that bear his image. And I just keep coming back to Romans chapter three, where Paul strings together Old Testament verses in order to make a commentary 
on humanity. Let me just read these verses again. He says, there's none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. And then here's the bottom line. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's the world we live in. That's, that's the Bible's commentary on human society without the restraints of God. And what are we to do who know God? Well, we're to fear God more than we do. We're to recognize that everything that we do, we're doing before the face of God. And everything that happens in this world is done before the face of God. And as God's representatives, we need to speak for him. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do that, we're not loving people. Mm-hmm. We're not serving our fellow humans in this world. And we're certainly not going to be in a position to pursue true justice because justice gets co-opted by those who have the, the greatest amount of power. And so it's a race mm-hmm. to see who can wield the greatest amount of power and then in the name of justice carry out their own agendas right. without regard to the God before whom all of us have to give an account. It's scary to watch. So you mentioned power, will to power. It's all a power game and intersectionality. Mm-hmm. And this goes all the way back to Nietzsche. And this goes back to Marx. And the, there's there's a philosophy, there's a worldview underneath this kind of thing. Absolutely. But we're, we're seeing it on the ground now. And and it's scary because we're seeing, you know, when you put when you put those power dynamics over overlap uh, God's hierarchical design of the world. Well, you have pe- both people that are under authority and people with authority that are using that kind of power. Um, for, for, for example, for the officer, he's using too much, he, he's abusing the power that he has. He can, so he does. And so the response to that is, well, then we're going to do a will to power in the streets. We're mm-hmm. going to go start to burn down buildings. So we, they burn down a police uh, precinct. Uh, they're burning down churches. All of these attempts to say, we'll, we will get what we what we desire by pure power, mm-hmm. by, mm-hmm. by any means necessary. So that's the dynamics of what's going on. The only hope is Christ. It's like you, it's either Christ or the abyss. Yeah, that's right. And we don't serve our generation well if we misconstrue that or if we say, well, you know what, man, um, uh, this guy, he should have just complied with the police officer so he had it coming. Well, no, he, he should have complied with the police officer, but we have to see what seems indicated to me from the little I've looked at it and what I've read is that this man abused his position of authority. So there was sin, there was lawlessness there. Mm-hmm. But neither can we look at those who say, well, man, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk to you. We're going to show you oppression. We're going to show you our anger by overturning police cars, by dragging policemen through the, the city streets of Chicago, and by beating people who are trying to defend their places of business. No, uh, that is wickedness. That is lawlessness. You will stand before God right. and give an account. And that's precisely why the Lord Jesus came into the world. If we give a pass to sin in any area, then we have just truncated our opportunity to proclaim the gospel that saves real sinners from real sin. Mm-hmm. And I, it grieves me that this opportunity is being misconstrued by those who should know better. We have the book. This is the whole reason that we did By What Standard. It's because we saw so much misunderstanding of what the Bible says about justice, what the Bible says is good and right and true. And we wanted to just call attention to the fact that we've got these ideologies 
that are vying for our attention, vying for our minds so that we begin to think and speak as they dictate, all the while neglecting or going contrary to what God himself mm-hmm. has said. Mm-hmm. And man, that's the message that is needed today. There is a God in heaven. He's not silent. He has spoken. And what he says is applicable to all of these situations that we're living through right now. Right. Yeah. I want to um, caution Christians against throwing stones, right? So, so Christians don't be the, don't be the, don't be the rioters in your head, you know, um, how could, I mean, you're looking at all kinds of mess. So they're, they're at the highest levels of our civil leadership in our nation. There are problems mm-hmm. there. Are, there are tweets and messages going forth that are exacerbating the situation that are um, escalating the situation that are, are examples of abuse of authority. And then there's the guy in the street with a Molotov cocktail, right? And, and they're both wrong. And it'd be easy for us to go, you know, how in the world could our president or our governors or our mayors act the way that they're acting at this time? And rightly so, there's a lot that's wrong with that. How in the world could these people out in the street do this kind of thing? Uh, well, rightly so, because there's a ton wrong with that. But uh, Christians are the ones who are to disciple the nations. Absolutely. And so very often what we see going on in the world has actually been going on in the church. I mean, who hasn't been a father who who has known he's failed in his responsibilities in his home and he's exacerbated situations. He This is why the scripture tells us that fathers do not exasperate your children because the apostle Paul knows that that's a real temptation and it's done and we need to repent of it when we do it. And then children are told to honor their father and mother and we know that we don't do that and we're just like the guy out there in the street with a molotov cocktail saying i'm I'm going to rebel against you and i'm never going to do anything that you say and we feel justified in doing so so we need to look and and say okay what first of all in our own house uh, how are these things how are these these uh, trajectories authority responsibility submission to authority lawfulness trust in Christ, enduring with one another. How are we not doing that in our homes? And then we need to proclaim that message. And so one of the concerning things is there's so many evangelical leaders that aren't talking about that. Like when it seems this is clearly the problem, right? right? Address it. Um, we're, we're addressing other kinds of problems. And one of the biggest, you know, it's, it's, the issue of race is is tied up with everything that's going on here, and that's been something I've been seeing a lot from people is, well, uh, the officer was white, the man on the ground was black, and so this has been racialized. The, the biggest thing that we're addressing right now is racial injustice and racial oppression in our land, and as soon as you enter into that conversation, I was just doing this with my children, trying to explain to them the history of our country and these truths that we've talked about and how do you deal with what's going on here. Uh, and I've, I've said this a number of times already, but if we, if the investigators go back to this police officer's home and they find all kinds of KKK paraphernalia, well, okay, we have something that's signaling that there was not only animosity in his heart, but it was a racial animosity that very well could be the case. You're not going to catch me saying that uh, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he, this was not motivated by any kind of disdain for black people in this officer's heart. I'm not going to say that. I don't know that. But the point is we don't know it yet. And so if we're going to actually solve problems, we have to deal with what's going on right in front of us. You, have, you, you can't jump and draw conclusions and then exacerbate a situation and claim that it is something that you don't have evidence yet that it is actually that case. 
So I think we're dealing with that massive problem. And it seems that a lot of um, our evangelical leaders at this time are very happy to speak to that issue right now. But the problem is you're neglecting the real issue. And they're going to say, well, the the real issue is about the race relations in America. Well, it it may be in this case, but let's deal with what's right in front of us and make sure that we know what we're talking about before we um, say, well, here's what's going on. Uh, We know that this is about race. So we we dealt with a lot of this in by what standard and it's a it's something i feel like so many christians right now are in danger of being sucked up into another worldview through this situation that's happened with george absolutely what you just articulated though goes against the the contemporary very powerful narrative that we know it's about race we just know we don't question we don't look for evidence we know because what is racism well it's prejudice plus power and so here's a man with power and here's a man with no power and so we just know that it's about racism i tell you if folks have not listened to uh vody balcom's talk on ethnic gnosticism that he did at a founders conference a couple of years ago they need to find that talk it's on our youtube channel and listen to that again because the narrative that is being assumed and imbibed by those who say, well, of course this is about race, is a narrative that is contrary to the Word of God. As you said, it may be about race, it may not be. The Scripture says that the one who answers a matter before he fully hears it, it's folly. He's foolish. Mm -hmm. And yet, we're being told, oh, no, no, you know, if you slow down and you don't automatically say, well, of course we know this is about racism because look at the world we live in and and listen to the way that that has been framed for us over the last many years, if not decades. And if you don't do that, well, then you're standing against it and you're going to be deplatformed. You're Mm -hmm. going to be canceled because you are not imbibing in the popular worldview today. And I just, I want to say as, as Christians, we don't serve people. Well, we have the truth. God's given us his word. We're not infallible in how we understand the truth, but we have the infallible truth in God's word, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it and try to help people to understand it so that they can experience true justice, so that we can know how truly to love someone. Mm -hmm. If you let somebody go on in a way of thinking that is contrary to what is right and true, you're not loving them. You're hating them. You're actually turning them away from the place where they can find life and and joy and goodness in God's world, which is the provision that God himself has made by his grace in Christ, because they're not going to need a savior. They've got it figured out according to a false worldview. Right. My kids were talking to me about this recently, but they they were asking the question, you know, uh, what is a racist? It was tied right into what is a Catholic and what is a Lutherist, which ended up, they meant Lutheran. I think that came from a sermon you preached recently. Did I say Lutherist? I I don't know. (laughs) I think that's what they heard. But after defining uh, what a Catholic is and what a Lutheran is, uh, it got into a racist. And I am very satisfied with the definition of racism that says um, it, it is racial animosity or racial malice and racial pride, those two ideas. Um, that's the way I think every time I hear the word racist. And it, it, that's so important because we use the word a lot and people mean a lot of different things when they talk about it. And if I can be convinced by somebody that there's more, like there's another word, I'd be happy to maybe add something in there if you can show me from scripture that that's a fair way to talk. I'm still happy at this point to talk in those terms and try to help 
my children and our church to think about these matters. But, so, but that's contrary. You know this. this. That's contrary to the worldview that is driving this train. Right, which we need to, Christians really have to catch up here because I just think a lot of people are still confused. Mm-hmm. There are certain people that are a part of this whole other worldview that know that they have a very clear definition mm-hmm. of racism, and it's not the Christian definition of racism. Mm-hmm. And the danger is, you know, if it, you know, if everything is racism, well, then nothing is racism. And then you have people that are that would actually see real racism and say that's not racism. Right. And so the only solution I know is to actually talk about what real racism is. Which you go back to the scripture for your definitions. In malice or hatred and and pride, both of those things. I mean, think about those sins. Well, they're sins that begin in the heart, you know, as all sins do. It, it's there. And then it manifests itself in my life. And people, the, the problem is you can be a little prideful. There's something, there's a, such a thing as being a little prideful. There's something, there's such a thing as being a little uh, filled with animosity towards somebody. And then that can be inflamed where you were full of anger and full of rage or you're full of arrogance. You're just absolutely full of it. Uh, well, those things can happen on the issue of race as well. And we have to examine and find some kind of evidence Right. And so we see as pastors in the church, how many times have you seen somebody come in and say, well, I know, I just know you're prideful. Okay. Well, help me understand. Help me see it. Well, I don't really know, but I just, I know it. I know you're prideful and we don't have any time for that because uh, I'm not God. You're not God. We're finite creatures. And if we're going to put charges against somebody, then there needs to be some evidence in, in, in the situation. So in this situation, what we need to do, if we really wanted to deal, if we really wanted to deal with racism, in America, if we really want to deal with the problem, we would come to those clear definitions and we would say, do we have evidence? And, this, and somebody explain the evidence that there was there was racial animosity in his heart, racial hatred, um, or there was racial pride. Uh, it, let's find some things. I mean, people talk, people write things on Facebook, people communicate to police officers, ask them, investigate. That kind of work needs to be done. And then that kind of work needs to be addressed. And at the end of the day, civilly, it's going to manifest itself in crimes that should be punished. And then uh, we have in our society ways of saying if there if there's premeditation, right, there's going to be a different kind of outcome that, that happens. Uh, if there wasn't premeditation of, of murder or murderous acts, uh, then there's different kinds of situations. So it's very important to investigate those kinds of things and try to deal with them. But I really want to do it rather than allowing people to hijack it over right. here and present a different worldview. What complicates this is that all partiality is not wrong. There's some partiality that is right. There's some partiality that is wrong. So uh, I, I love your wife. I love my wife more and differently. And that's the way it should be. We love all people. We love our family more. We're to do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. And so there are right, proper ways to be, to show partiality. But then there's sinful partiality, which James condemns whenever we uh, treat people less than the way they deserve to be treated. So if a, if a judge um, sends a, a, a murderer to prison, well, that's fine. But if he then takes a, a person who stole a candy bar and lets him go free or puts him on probation, that's fine. He's shown, he's, he's distinguished between their crimes. If he takes a guy who steals a candy bar and gives him 50 years in prison and then lets a murderer go free, well, that's wrong kind of partiality, that sinful partiality. And we don't, we don't think in those categories today and particularly on the issue of race because as Robin D'Angelo has made 
popular and it's come into the evangelical world like a flood that you can be you, we, you can have racism without a racist in the room because it is prejudice plus power. And that's what causes some, I think, very sincere, well-intended Christians to say, well, of course we're all racists. You know, look at how we've benefited from the society that is overwhelmingly uh, racialized and is sinfully racist. If you go back to Scripture and you say, okay, what does it mean to treat people uh, with biblical equity with biblical justice then you give to each one what he is due and if someone does right according to the role of the government then he is to be encouraged if someone does wrong then he is to be punished that's the role of the civil authorities and god has taught us in his word here's what's right here's what's wrong and we don't pretend that the person who gives himself over to doing what's wrong is righteous or is to be treated the way the person who is seeking to live according to standards of righteousness mm-hmm. if we but those are those are things that come from the scripture they come from the god who created us and whenever you stand on that and try to argue for that and try to reason from that and encourage people to think that way you're going against what is now the predominant worldview and narrative that says oh no 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 you know because of who you are, your status in society, because of your power, because of your privilege, or whatever it is, then you are part of the problem. And because of the difficulties you have in life, or because of your status, or because of your ethnicity, or whatever it might be, then you are part of the oppressed, and you deserve to have those who are in position of power deconstructed, overthrown, because that's the only way that we will experience justice according to this narrative yeah there this is um again it's a it's an important situation to get into because there are these kernels of truth wrapped in you know wrapped in uh, a cake that is poisonous that's going to kill you and so even even the language this is important but language of systemic injustice right we've we've talked about this in the statement on social justice and the gospel uh, there was an acknowledgement of systems of injustice sinful systems I mean anybody that's looked at how a home operates can see (laughs) that it's not just we're not just a group of individuals there's there's some funky stuff happening in this home and it's all related and it kind of turns into this machine that operates in a certain way we're not saying that's not happening i believe that is happening i believe it happens in homes i believe it happens in churches i believe it happens in businesses and organizations and institutions and and in our government happens all over the place and you need you need men and women that are going to enter into those situations and take responsibility and be able to identify what is what kind of sin is manifesting itself as some as a system uh, that's beginning to operate in in certain kind of ways, and that needs to be addressed um, not from the vantage point of the social justice or intersectionality, uh, but from a Christian understanding to mm-hmm. say what what is wrong about the way that we're operating as a police force? What kind of things are we doing that we need to stop doing? And how in the world are we going to stop doing them? Uh, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be dealt with. And so for so many of the protesters that are out that are saying, well, this is, this is very clearly an injustice that's happened. And it's not the first time that it's happened. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, this has happened. This happens routinely. We keep we keep discovering that this kind of thing is happening. Now, sometimes uh, lawful things happen, and they're they're presented as if they weren't. But very often, there's unlawful things. And what do you need to do uh, as a police force to address that issue? That's a whole conversation that needs to be had in the midst of all of this. Yeah, that going and on. and we need to distinguish, as we've done repeatedly here, between sins and crimes. And so, I don't want the government coming around trying to uh, punish sins. You know, I want the government to deal with crimes and uh, are there 
systemic injustices that rise to the level of what I would say violate uh, the standard of righteousness for a civil society? Absolutely. I, today, we just look at abortion. I mean, you, you think about preborn children. Are, are they suffering systemic injustice in America? Absolutely, they mm-hmm. are. Absolutely, they are. H- has it happened to different groups at different times? Absolutely, it has happened to different groups at different times in the history of this nation, not just this nation, in the history of the whole world. And if you want to take a snapshot at United States or Western civilization or world history, any place, you can find all kinds of evidences of systemic injustice. One of the things that would help this conversation is if we take that snapshot and put it on a whole video of hundreds of years or even a hundred years or even decades and say, okay, are we, are we moving in a good direction? Have we, have we seen some moves toward righteousness or away from righteousness? And I think you can argue, we could could have a, a very fruitful argument with people that might see it differently than we do here in the United States, but you could certainly make an argument for other countries. I mean, I would try to do so where things have gone from better to worse because of an overthrow or a disregard of God's law. Mm. And those are good conversations to have. But the, the standard is what's crucial. Mm. Are we just going to go on who has the most power, who has the loudest voice, who has the biggest platform, or are we going to ask the question, has God spoken? And if God has spoken, what has he said? And then as creatures made in his image, how are we to respond and how are we to think, how are we to evaluate and how are we to call people to respond to this God before whom every one of us is going to stand and give an account one day. And, and yeah. man, Christians need to take this opportunity today and speak clearly, compassionately, lovingly in behalf of the God who gave up his son for real sinners. It's going to start by, by Christian men and women taking responsibility for the things that they can take responsibility for. It, it's scary. I mean, America really is. I mean, look around just up in flames. You got social media, you see all this stuff. And I, I'd be interested to compare this to previous riots and previous civil unrest. But it appears to me that things are falling apart in every direction. And um, how do you fix that? Well, Again, when thinking about these systems, you do people have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility for yourself and for those that are under your care. My grandfather um, worked; he was the head of an electrical company, and um, back many, many years ago, right when um, segregation was just um, breaking down, and uh, he told me a story. I think it's actually my grandmother told the story. I don't know that he wanted to tell it, but. Um, told the story about the time that a first black man was coming to work at the electrical company. I mean, you want to talk about a system at that point that had serious pride going on in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he got word that all of his men were saying, you know, I'm not going to ride with this man. I'm not going to ride with this man. I'm not going to ride with this man. But what do you do? You know, I think a lot of people don't know what to do. A lot of people don't know what to do in that situation. What's your job as the head of that company? What does justice look like? Mm -hmm. What does righteousness look like in that situation? And there's a lot of things. Some of these things are just going to come by wisdom because you're going to be, you're going to be dealing with situations constantly. If you're a police officer, you're going to be dealing with situations constantly. You're the head of a police department, head of a government. You know, the only way to know that is to be a Christian and be taught well and operate well in the, in the instant. These situations are just going to come at you. Well, my grandfather, um, he just went to every man and, uh, he told. He said, "I started with the one that had been there the longest, and went to the one that had been there the the, the shortest." 
I said, you're going to ride with them first, first day. Next day, you're going to ride with them. 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 And he, he just worked that plan. And and all of a sudden, uh, many of those men there who had prejudice started to realize that this guy was a wonderful, a wonderful worker and um, just the best. You know, and my grandfather and him struck up a friendship. And even in that time, with all of the all of even the, just the subtle kind of racist tendencies that people had, uh, it was fascinating to hear this story. It's a, it was a glory story. My um, grandfather and him struck up such a friendship. There was a terrible... Um, there was a rape of a woman in that county and there was word on the street that it was a black man who had done it. It was a white woman who had been raped. And uh, my grandfather knew and said, said to him, he said, you, you don't go to any calls outside of the city limits. And, uh, and, and even when he did, um, he, he said, if you go to a house and there's nobody uh, at the front door, you just stand in your in your car and you honk the horn, you know? And you, so anyways, the, that black man, his wife died, and my grandfather and grandmother went to a black church in that in that uh, city and to the funeral. And he said, going there, they were just overwhelmed by love from this black church. And the man said, you know, we thank you so much. You honor us by being here. And they just blessed them, you know. And then eventually the black man died. And when he did, they asked my grandfather to be a pallbearer for him. And so here he is at a black church, all black people, and he's being a pallbearer for this man, that his friend, you know, that that had they'd gone through all that together. I look back at that and I think, what a wonderful way to for a person to take responsibility in an institutional way. And we need wisdom along those lines and to say, how are we going to do what's right and good in this time? We're we're in a whole different world now than that world. Mm-hmm. And some of the concerning things is there was there was there was racism back then right and yet there was this restraint i mean even to the people that were protesting there was restraint um but now we're dealing with a whole it's just it it concerns me the way that there there seems to be no self-control that people are just whether you're in a position of authority or not is just absolute uh, chaos in the streets nevertheless if we can exercise responsibility and start to say what is right, what is good, and address it honestly, um, that's where Christians need to at least begin as we try to figure out what's going on with all of these riots and as we lament what has happened with George Floyd and try to do justice and try to proclaim Christ in the midst of all of the chaos that's around us. Right. Well... Thank you for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Um, As Tom mentioned, we uh, did release the film By What Standard, trying to address uh, a concerning ideology that we see manifesting itself even in the riots that are currently going across America. We also have a book that's soon to be released. Vody Bauckham contributes to this. Uh, He's got a wonderful chapter on cultural Marxism. Tom addresses this. He deals with white privilege. Um, A number of other authors, Mark Coppinger, uh, is in this book as well. Just a great resource. It should be released probably in the next couple weeks. It will be available for purchase at founders.org. So keep an eye on that resource. Hopefully that'll get some truth out uh, about all the things that we're facing. So thanks again for listening to The Sword and the Trial.